prologue of the house by the churchyard this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by john brandon the house by the churchyard by joseph sheraton lefanu being a dish of village chat we are going to talk if you please in the ensuing chapters of what was going on in chapel is it about a hundred years ago a hundred years to be sure is a good while but though fashions have changed some old phrases dropped out and new ones come in and snuff and hair powder and sacks and solitaires quite passed away yet men and women were men and women all the same as elderly fellows like your humble servant who have seen and talked with rearward stragglers of that generation now all and long marched off can testify if they will in those days chapel is it was about the gayest and prettiest of the outpost villages in which old dublin took a complacent pride the poplars which stood in military rows here and there just showed a glimpse of formality among the orchards and old timber that lined the banks of the river and the valley of the liffey with a lively sort of richness the broad old street looked hospitable and merry with steep roofs and many-coloured hall doors the jolly old inn just beyond the turnpike at the sweep of the road leading over the buttressed bridge by the mill was first to welcome the excursionist from dublin under the sign of the phoenix there in the grand wainscoted back parlour with the great and good king william in his robe garter periwig and sceptre presiding in the panel over the chimney-piece and confronting the large projecting window through which the river and the daffodils and the summer foliage looked so bright and quiet the alderman of skinner's alley a club of the true blue dye as old as the jacobite wars of the previous century the corporation of shoemakers or of tailors or the freemasons or the musical clubs loved to dine at the stately hour of five and deliver their jokes sentiments songs and wisdom on a pleasant summer's evening alas the inn is as clean gone as the guests a dream of the shadow of smoke lately too came down the old salmon house so called from the blazonry of that noble fish upon its painted signboard at the other end of the town that with a couple of more wheeled out at right angles from the line of the broad street and directly confronting the passenger from dublin gave to it something of the character of a square and just left room for the high road and martin's row to slip between its flank and the orchard that overtopped the river wall well it is gone i blame nobody i suppose it was quite rotten in that the rats would soon have thrown up their lease of it in that it was taken down in short chiefly as one of the players said of old drury to prevent the inconvenience of its coming down of itself still a peevish but harmless old fellow who hates change and would wish things to stay as they were just a little 
till his own great change comes who haunts the places where his childhood was passed and reverences the homeliest relics of bygone generations may be allowed to grumble a little at the impertinences of improving proprietors with a taste for accurate parallelograms and pale new brick then there was the village church with its tower dark and rustling from base to summit with thick-piled bowering ivy the royal arms cut in bold relief in the broad stone over the porch where pray is that stone now the memento of its old viceregal dignity where is the elevated pew where many a lord lieutenant in point and gold lace and thundercloud periwig sate in awful isolation and listened to orthodox and loyal sermons and took french rapee whence too he stepped forth between the files of the guard of honour of the royal irish artillery from the barrack over the way in their courtly uniform white scarlet and blue cocked hats and cues and ruffles presenting arms into his emblazoned coach and six with hanging footmen as wonderful as cinderella's and outriders outblazing the liveries of the troops and rolling grandly away in sunshine and dust the ecclesiastical commissioners have done their office here the tower indeed remains with half its antique growth of ivy gone but the body of the church is new and i and perhaps an elderly fellow or two more miss the old-fashioned square pews distributed by a traditional tenure among the families and dignitaries of the town and vicinage who are they now and sigh for the queer old clumsy reading-desk and pulpit grown dearer from the long and hopeless separation and wonder where the tables of the ten commandments in long gold letters of queen anne's date upon a vivid blue ground arched above and flanking the communion table with its tall thin rails and fifty other things that appeared to me in my nonage as stable as the earth and as sacred as the heavens are gone too as for the barrack of the royal irish artillery the great gate leading into the parade ground by the riverside and all that i believe the earth or rather that grim giant factory which is now the grand feature and centre of chapel is it throbbing all over with steam and whizzing with wheels and vomiting pitchy smoke has swallowed them up a line of houses fronting this old familiar faces still look blank and regretfully forth through their glassy eyes upon the changed scene how different the company they kept some ninety or a hundred years ago where is the mill too standing fast by the bridge the manorial appendage of the town which i loved in my boyhood for its gaunt and crazy aspect and dim interior whence the clapper kept time mysteriously to the drone of the mill sluice i think it is gone surely that confounded thing can't be my venerable old friend in masquerade but i can't expect you my reader polite and patient as you manifestly are 
to potter about with me all the summer day through this melancholy and mangled old town with a canopy of factory soot between your head and the pleasant sky one glance however before you go you will vouchsafe at the village tree that stalworth elm it has not grown an inch these hundred years it does not look a day older than it did fifty years ago i can tell you there he stands the same and yet a stranger in the place of his birth in the new order of things joyless busy transformed chapel is it listening as it seems to me always to the unchanged song and prattle of the river with his reveries and affections far away among bygone times and a buried race thou hast a story too to tell thou slighted and solitary sage if only the winds would steal it musically forth like the secret of mildus from the moaning reeds the palmy days of chapel is it were just about a hundred years ago and those days though i am jealous of their pleasant and kindly fame and specially for the preservation of the few memorials they have left behind were yet i may say in your ear with all their colour and adventure perhaps on the whole more pleasant to read about and dream of than they were to live in still their violence follies and hospitalities softened by distance and illuminated with a sort of barbaric splendour have long presented to my fancy the glowing and ever-shifting combinations upon which as on the red embers in a winter's gloaming i love to gaze propping my white head upon my hand in a lazy luxury of reverie from my own armchair while they drop ever and anon into new shapes and silently tell their winter's tales when your humble servant charles de cresseron the compiler of this narrative was a boy some fourteen years old how long ago precisely that was is nothing to the purpose tis enough to say he remembers what he then saw and heard a good deal better than what happened a week ago it came to pass that he was spending a pleasant week of his holidays with his benign uncle and godfather the curate of chapel is it on the second day of his or rather my sojourn i take leave to return to the first person there was a notable funeral of an old lady her name was darby and her journey to her last home was very considerable being made in a hearse by easy stages from her house at lisnabane in the county of sligo to the churchyard of chapel is it there was a great flat stone over that small parcel of the rector's freehold which the family held by a tenure not of lives but of deaths renewable for ever so that my uncle who was a man of an anxious temperament had little trouble in satisfying himself of the mirings and identity of this narrow tenement to which lemuel maddox the sexton led him as straight and confidently as he could have done to the communion table my uncle therefore fiated the sexton's presentiment 
and the work commenced forthwith i don't know whether all boys have the same liking for horrors which i am conscious of having possessed i only know that i liked the churchyard and deciphering tombstones and watching the labours of the sexton and hearing the old world village talk that often got up over the relics when this particular grave was pretty nearly finished it lay from east to west a lot of earth fell out on the northern side where an old coffin had lain and good store of brown dust and grimy bones and the yellow skull itself came tumbling about the sexton's feet these fossils after his want he lifted decently with the point of his shovel and pitched into a little nook beside the great mound of mould on top be the powers o' war here's a battered headpiece for yees said young tim moran who had picked up the cranium and was eyeing it curiously turning it round the while show it here tim let me look cried two or three neighbours getting round as quickly as they could oh murder said one oh be the powers o' mall kelly cried another oh bloody wars exclaimed a third that poor fellow got no chance for his life at all at all said tim that was a bullet said one of them putting his finger into a clean circular aperture as large as a halfpenny and look at them two cracks oh murder there's only one oh i see you're right too begora each of them a wipe of a porker maddox had climbed nimbly to the upper level and taking the skull in his fist turned it about this way and that curiously but though he was no chicken his memory did not go far enough back to throw any light upon the matter could it be the matros that was shot in the year ninety as i often heard for striking his captain suggested a bystander oh that poor fellow's buried round by the north side of the church said maddox still eyeing the skull it could not be councillor gallagher that was kilt in the duel with colonel rock he was shot in the head but it could not be ach not at all why not mr maddox no nor the matros neither this you see is a dry part of the yard here there's old darby's coffin at the bottom down there sound enough to stand on as you see with the plank and he was buried in the year ninety three why look at the coffin this skull belongs to tis go into powder between your fingers tis nothing but tinder i believe you're right mr maddox for to be sure tis longer underground by thirty years good or maybe more just then the slim figure of my tall mild uncle the curate appeared and his long thin legs in black worsted stockings and knee-breeches stepped reverently and lightly among the graves the men raised their hats and maddox jumped lightly into the grave again while my uncle returned their salute with a sad sort of smile a regretful kindness which he never exceeded in those solemn precincts it was his custom to care very tenderly for the bones turned up by the sexton 
and to wait with an awful solicitude until after reading of the funeral service he saw them gently replaced as nearly as might be in their old bed and discouraging any idle curiosity or levity respecting them with a solemn rebuke which all respected therefore it was that so soon as he appeared this gull was in hibernian phrase dropped like a hot potato and the gravedigger betook himself to his spade so nimbly oh uncle charles i said taking his hand and leading him towards the foot of the grave such a wonderful skull has come up it is shot through with a bullet and cracked with a poker besides tis true for him your reverence he was murdered twice over whoever he was rest his soul and the sexton who had nearly completed his work got out of the grave again with a demure activity and raising the brown relic with great reverence out of regard for my good uncle he turned it about slowly before the eyes of the curate who scrutinized it from a little distance with a sort of melancholy horror yes lemuel said my uncle still holding my hand twas undoubtedly a murder i indeed he sustained two heavy blows beside that gunshot through the head twasn't gunshot sir why the hole is taking a grape shot said an old fellow just behind my uncle in a pensioner's cocked hat leggings and long old-world red frock coat speaking with a harsh reedy voice and a grim sort of reserved smile i moved a little aside with a sort of thrill to give him freer access to my uncle in the hope that he might perhaps throw a light upon the history of this remarkable memorial the old fellow had a rat-like grey eye the other was hid under a black patch and there was a deep red scar across his forehead slanting from the patch which covered the extinguished orb his face was purplish the tinge deepening towards the lumpish top of his nose on the side of which stood a big wart and he carried a great walking-cane over his shoulder and bore as it seemed to me an intimidating but caricatured resemblance to an old portrait of oliver cromwell in my whig grandfather's parlour you don't think it a bullet sir said my uncle mildly touching his hat for coming of a military stock himself he always treated an old soldier with uncommon respect why please your reverence replied the man reciprocating his courtesy i know it's not and what is it then my good man interrogated the sexton as one in authority and standing on his own dunghill the trepan said the fogey in the tone in which he had cried attention to a raw recruit without turning his head and with a scornful momentary skew glance from his grey eye and do you know whose skull that was sir asked the curate ay do i sir well with the same queer smile he answered come now you're a grave digger my fine fellow he continued accosting the sexton cynically how long do you suppose that skull's been underground 
long enough but not so long my fine fellow as yours has been above ground well you're right there for i seen him buried and he took the skull from the sexton's hands and i'll tell you more there were some dry eyes too at his funeral ha <laughs> ha you were a resident in the town then said my uncle who did not like the turn his recollections were taking ay sir that i was he replied see that broken tooth there i forgot twas there and the minute i seen it i remembered it like this morning i could swear to it when he left ay and that sharp corner to it hang em and he twirled the loose tooth the last but two of all its fellows from its socket and chucked it into the grave and were you you weren't in the army then inquired the curate who could not understand the sort of scoffing dislike he seemed to bear it be my faith i was so sir the royal irish artillery replied he promptly and in what capacity pursued his reverence drummer answered the mulberry-faced veteran ho drummer that's a good time ago i dare say said my uncle looking on him reflectively well so it is not far off fifty years answered he he was a hard-headed codger he was but you see the sprig of shillelagh was too hard for him <laughs> and he gave the skull a smart knock with his walking cane as he grinned at it and wagged his head gently gently my good man said the curate placing his hand hastily upon his arm for the knock was harder than was needed for the purpose of demonstration you see sir at that time our colonel-in-chief was my lord blackwater continued the old soldier not that we often seen him for he lived in france mostly the colonel and second was general chatsworth and colonel stafford was lieutenant-colonel and under him major o'neill captains four clough devereux barton and berg first lieutenants puttock delaney sackville and armstrong second lieutenants salt barber lilliman and pringle lieutenant fireworkers o'flaherty i beg your pardon interposed my uncle fireworkers did you say yes sir and what pray does a lieutenant fireworker mean why law bless you sir a fireworker twas his business to see that the men loaded sarved laid and fired the gun all right but that doesn't signify you see this old skull sir well twas a nine days wonder and the queerest business you ever heerd tell of why sir the women was frightened out of their senses and the men puzzled out of their wits they were ha 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 and i can tell you all about it a mighty black and bloody business it was i i beg your pardon sir but i think yes the funeral has arrived and for the present i must bid you good morning 
and so my uncle hurried to the church where he assumed his gown and the solemn rite proceeded when all was over my uncle after his wont waited until he had seen the disturbed remains redeposited decently in their place and then having disrobed i saw him look with some interest about the churchyard and i knew twas in quest of the old soldier i saw him go away during the funeral i said i the old pensioner said my uncle peering about in quest of him and we walked through the town and over the bridge and we saw nothing of his cocked hat and red single-breasted frock and returned rather disappointed to tea i ran into the back room which commanded the churchyard in the hope of seeing the old fellow once more with his cane shouldered grinning among the tombstones in the evening sun but there was no sign of him or indeed any one else there so i returned just as my uncle having made the tea shut down the lid of his silver teapot with a little smack and with a kind but absent smile upon me he took his book sat down and crossed one of his thin legs over the other and waited pleasantly until the delightful infusion should be ready for our lips reading his old volume and with his disengaged hand gently stroking his long shin-bone in the meantime i who thirsted more for that tale of terror which the old soldier had all but begun of which in that strangely battered skull i had only an hour ago seen face to face so grisly a memento and of which in all human probability i never was to hear more looked out dejectedly from the window when whom should i behold marching up the street at slow time towards the salmon house but the identical old soldier cocked hat copper nose great red single-breasted coat with its prodigious wide buttonholes leggings cane and all just under the village tree here he is oh uncle charles here he comes i cried eh the soldier is he said my uncle tripping in the carpet in his eagerness and all but breaking the window so it is indeed run down my boy and beg him to come up but by the time i had reached the street which you may be sure was not very long i found my uncle had got the window up and was himself inviting the old boy who having brought his left shoulder forward thanked the curate saluting soldier fashion with his hand to his hat palm foremost i observed indeed that those grim old campaigners who have seen the world make it a principle to accept anything in the shape of a treat if it's bad why it costs them nothing and if it's good so much the better so up he marched and into the room with soldierly self-possession and being offered tea preferred punch and the ingredients were soon on the little round table by the fire which the evening being sharp was pleasant and the old fellow being seated he brewed his nectar to his heart's content and as we sipped our tea in pleased attention he after his own fashion commenced the story to which i listened with an interest 
which i confessed has never subsided many years after as will sometimes happen a flood of light was unexpectedly poured over the details of his narrative on my coming into possession of the diary curiously minute and the voluminous correspondence of rebecca sister of general chatsworth with whose family i had the honor to be connected and this journal to me with my queer cat-like affection for this old village a perfect treasure and the interminable bundles of letters sorted and arranged so neatly with little abstracts of their contents in red ink in her own firm thin hand upon the covers from all and to all manner of persons for the industrious lady made fair copies of all the letters she wrote formed for many years my occasional and always pleasant winter nights reading i wish i could infuse their spirit into what i'm going to tell and above all that i could inspire my readers with ever so little of the peculiar interest with which the old town has always been tinted and saddened to my eye my boyish imagination perhaps kindled all the more at the story by reason of it being a good deal connected with the identical old house in which we three my dear uncle my idle self and the queer old soldier were then sitting but wishes are as vain as regrets so i'll just do my best bespeaking your attention and submissively abiding your judgment end of prologue recording by john brandon